When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove and it's time for our weekend preview to Cast United versus Everton on Saturday at James Park. I'm joined here by Lee Ryder and Chris Swaff. Start with you, uh, Lee. I suppose the big news is, is that Sean Longstaff will be missing for Everton and will be missing possibly for the rest of the season. It's a big blow for Newcastle. He's been excellent since he mm. came in against Chelsea. But I suppose... Rafa Benitez has now got options in the sense and he's got a big decision to make on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, w- with Sean Longstaff, there's no, they've got no need to like make any big risk with him. So they obviously put a bit of caution in the wind and pretty much said he's out for the season or likely to be out for the rest of the season. The good news is, is that the injury doesn't need an operation. So a bit of time in the treatment room and they hope he's going to be back up doing light training in April, which, you know... You know, there could be a possibility that he comes in at the very end. They think it's going to be eight weeks, six to eight weeks. Um, but, you know, it leaves the door slightly ajar for possible uh, run out on, you know, one of the last couple of games. But they won't put any pressure on him. And, yeah, it means that there's going to be a change in the starting lineup at the weekend. And, you know, Key, Shelby, and Diame will all be, you know, vying for that spot. It's. It... Uh, Sean Longstaff was at the the Morbeth game on I think it was was a Tuesday, yeah, in the North Wales Senior Cup Morbeth beating Newcastle on twenty threes two 0 He was there. He was mixing with fans. Seemed in really good spirits. Uh, do you think he kind of just had accepted that he was going to be out for a few games? And you know, there's no point getting down about it. You just got to concentrate on on getting fit. Yeah, I mean, let's get it right. This is quite a small injury, isn't it? In the on the scale of the big picture, there's. There's much worse injuries you can have. Uh, you know, the fact is, the operation, as I say, just shows that, you know, it's going to just be a bit of recovery time. Um, he's got to be philosophical. He's probably played more in the first team this season than he could have ever have dreamed of. He couldn't have had a better run in the team. So, you know, I think he's a positive guy. And, you know, the pitches at Morbeth, as you say, happy to mix with fans. Just shows you what a, what a great character Newcastle got on board. On to the options that... Benitez could choose on Saturday, Chris. You've got Shelby and Key. We'd say are the most likely ones to come in because 
playing Diarmi and Hayden would leave a very defensive setup in the middle. But obviously, he might play Diarmi given the contract situation. But out of well, what's we'll out of those three, who would get your pick? Well, I think Key's the most like for like in terms of someone who's comfortable on the ball, recycles possession well, can switch it from side to side. So if he's going to go. If he wants to continue the same dynamic, and if we are assuming that Isaac Hayden does start as well, he's done nothing to to be dropped from the team, but <clears throat> Benitez may see it as now Longstaff isn't there. Maybe an alternative combination is better, but let's assume Hayden starts. Key's the most like for like. Shelby, he played 60 minutes last Friday night for the under-23s, so he's starting to get back towards match fitness, but given that he was so far down the pecking order before, I think it's unlikely he would usurp he doesn't go straight in. Diarmé, there's the contract situation, which is seemingly confusing things. But that's complicating matters. And yeah, as you say, at home, do you play Diarmé and Hayden together when you have either Key or Shelby? You could play. I'd be surprised with that. So I think we're probably most likely to see Key. But as I say, that's if Hayden does start. He may decide to go for a senior duo instead. Could be Diarmé and Key or Diarmé and Shelby, something like that. But I think probably most likely Key is going to be the one who gets the nod. I mean, given Everton's kind of talent they've got in that squad, they're a very hit-and-miss kind of team. They have got a lot of good players. Do you think Newcastle would be better suited to playing maybe Diarmi and Hayden together and being a bit more defensive? Yeah, I think that that's one option. Um, but really, I think Key seems to be the closest. That's that's the impression I'm getting. And the, the, the Diarmi contract thing, that is... Very intriguing. I think we're all going to be interested to look at that team sheet come kick off time. And every week until we know whether he's, you know, had them three appearances or not. If he doesn't get the three appearances, my impression is, is that they've kind of agreed behind the scenes that he's not going to be staying and he's going to be leaving on a free transfer and possibly going to the club that offer him the two year security that he's looking for, which would be a bit of a shame, really, because, you know, I think. He's someone Rafa feels he can rely on and this is an opportunity um, to, to get somebody tied down over the next couple of seasons, which which are going to be important if Rafa stays. Most certainly. Let's go on to the, the big question then is, is John Joe Shelby, obviously volunteered to play for the you know, 23s against Fulham last Friday, scored the winner. Uh, a man with an abundance of talent... But he's not always that effective. Um, he's a man who splits opinion, doesn't he? Social media is awash with debate. Should he start? Is he Newcastle's best player? Etc. Etc. Chris, is he Newcastle's best player? Possibly, arguably, you could say talent-wise, he is. But is he Newcastle's best player in terms of consistency and what he offers? I, I don't think he is. I always feel there's a bit more from him. There's been some excellent displays along the air, but sometimes when you, you expect him to dominate a game, when you want him to dominate a match, he hasn't quite done it. <clears throat> His thigh injury this season has affected him. He's been in and out of the team. He's been in and out of fitness. And given all of that, as I say, I'd be surprised if he goes straight into the team on Saturday. I can see him come back on the bench, maybe being an option last 20, 25 minutes if you need a goal, need someone who might just do something a little bit different, play that killer pass. But from the start of the match for someone a bit more reliable in possession who will recycle it um, a bit more tidy I think you're more likely to see Key start I got a bit of abuse for saying that I don't think he fits into the system that Benitez wants to play I mean Benitez had the chance on Friday at the press conference before uh, the West Ham game to really say yeah Shelby is part of my plans he was asked does he have a future and Benitez suddenly went I think so he's under contract there was no kind of committal that 
when he's fit, when he's match fit, he'd be in the first team. Uh, so that was quite interesting. But do you think that he does fit into that kind of setup that Benitez is looking for formation-wise? Because me and you were having the conversation the day that Shelby likes to drop a little bit deep, pick the ball up and then look to pass it. But when you have Lejeune and Cher behind, who are equally as good passers, or maybe not equally, equally as maybe a bit strong, but are very good passers of the ball, mm. do you risk losing the effectiveness of them too? Potentially, I mean, Lejeune has been playing some sumptuous balls forward in, in recent games. And I think from from Rafa's point of view, he's, he's quite happy with the way the back five is operating at the minute. Yeah, it's a good point. Could, could drop Shelby in there, you know, into the team and him sitting back. Could that put a spanner in the works? Quite possibly, but I think it's more Rafa wondering what am I going to get out of John Joe Shelby. I mean, this season he had... It's been a nightmare season for him. Obviously, he's been injured, and you know, in the games he did play, like his shooting was completely woeful. His set pieces were bad. Um, it hasn't been a good season for him, and there's no good way of dressing it up. So, the last eight games will determine um, the next step in his career. Chris, we've often spoken how some think that the team maybe plays with a bit more freedom without Shelby in the team because more people kind of come to the forefront and say, well, I want the ball, I'm going to create, I'm going to move into space and, and set up the, the the passes. Is that something you agree with or do you think that's a bit harsh on, on Shelby? Possibly subconsciously that does affect them. I agree with you to a certain extent when you say about the formation and whether you said it. The one thing I would say is if, if Shelby did come into this, we haven't really seen Shelby play with those two ball-playing centre-backs before and in that... So that means the onus is usually on Shelby to create. If it wasn't, if there are other options, both Lejeune and Cher in the same team as Shelby, maybe that takes the pressure off him a little bit. Maybe that gives the opposition defence something else to worry about. So either they focus on Shelby or they focus on Lejeune or Cher and then the other benefits from that. So I don't necessarily think that he is a hindrance to everyone in the team, but I think that there has been a perception or at least a... Uh, some players have almost allowed that subconsciously to come in at them. Shelby, the onus is on him. He should be the one to create. But do you think, because he is the sort of player, in my opinion, that likes to be at the centre of it all, and that's because he has got this amazing passing ability. If he comes into a side where you do have Lejeune and do have Shelby who can pick a pass out, is he? do you think he'll be happy to sit back and, and just kind of, I don't not blend into the surroundings, but not be that prominent? Well, probably not. No, that's not the sort of character that he is. But at the same time, I don't necessarily think that means he's incompatible in playing with the others. You may have to adapt to a certain degree. They may have to adapt to a certain degree. The ball may not come as often from the two wide centre-backs as it has done. But I don't, as I say, I don't think they can't play in the same team. Maybe they all would have to adapt slightly. But I think there is a way that they could work into it. But it would, it would take a bit of give and take from both sides. Um, on Friday again, Benitez was asked... Certain people might think that Shelby, if he doesn't start playing soon, will become a disruption. And Benitez shot that down an instant and said, "No, look, he's he's volunteered to play for the 23s. It can only be a positive thing." And I, I suppose that shows the kind of character within the squad, not just Shelby, but there's a, a few players who aren't getting into the side, and and we're not really hearing of any disruption, you know, within the ranks. And I suppose that's because they've got Benitez has that respect from the players. Yeah, I mean, it's with John Joe, I think it's it's very difficult to assess sometimes because I think he's he's a character, you know, who likes to be loved and likes to be involved. Um, I know in the last, I think it's the last couple of seasons now, he, he's kind of, he's almost shut down 
the the media certainly the local media hasn't he hasn't spoken to us for a long time and so it's hard to I think the last time I remember speaking to him was um was out in Dublin not pre-season gone the one before that and he was in great spirits then um looking ahead to the season um but since he got sent off against Tottenham uh he, ha- he hasn't spoken to it to he hasn't spoken to me at all he hasn't spoken to me, you know, not since uh, at Brighton. I, t- I tried interviewing, but he wasn't happy about something which had been written. And now uh, I don't know, it was necessarily me who'd written it, but at the time. And so basically, Brighton last season, which was about September time, I think. So I haven't spoken to him since then either. So, he, so he, he's had some troubles with what how he's been uh, reported on. Um, but without sitting down and speaking to him and, and getting to the bottom we may never get to the bottom of it but uh with only eight games to go there's limited opportunities to to speak to him and he doesn't really walk through the the mix zone does he like uh, a lot of players do so we may never speak to him again so we'll uh i'm sure in the in the end it'll all come out um i mean he left swansea um you know on the in, in negative circumstances but he came here and he's fantastic he, you know he lit up St james's park in his first couple of games um, and then you know, inconsistency came into it again. So I, th- I think he's a character that is sometimes misunderstood, um, and you know needs to probably have an arm around him. But the fact he's put his hand up and showed willing to play for the reserves is a is a good thing. He, he showed a great example by scoring the winner uh, down at Fulham last week. So yeah, hopefully he comes back in the team, has a positive effect, and uh, everyone's happy. I suppose we're sitting here asking whether he's going to get in the start at 11. He's not even been in the squad recently, so I suppose that should maybe be the question because if Key is going to start, then you imagine though Shelby will take the place on the bench. Yeah, I would have thought that you'd come on the bench even if Shelby, even if it's Key or Diarmi or whoever because that's a place gone with Longstaff coming out of the squad due to his injury. I'd be surprised if they don't have an offensive midfielder as you, as you, or an offensive-minded midfielder like Shelby as the backup to Key or Hayden or whoever plays, given that they're at home, given it's a game, they're looking to make it five in a row at St James's Park. It's slightly different if they were away maybe against one of the top six. You may have a couple of extra defenders on the bench, but I'd, I'd be surprised if he, if he isn't in the Matchday squad this weekend. If he isn't, then given that he played on Friday night, even if it was only for 60 minutes, and given the fact that Longstaff's injured, then I think that would say a lot more about his future and, and, and bring it into question. But as I say, I expect him to be in that squad. And finally, just, just before we wrap up on Shelby, a lot of people pointing out that they think Shelby would be perfect for Almiron. Um, do, you, do you agree with that sentiment? I don't see why the two of them couldn't build a strong relationship. If if Shelby had his radar in terms of passing, made sure that he, he got the ball through, well, Almiron's pace would be ideal, runs in behind, runs out wide, little link up between the two of them. In theory, yes, they could complement each other very well, but Shelby needs to rediscover his form in general before he can start thinking about being the perfect foil for any player. Because even when we have seen him this year, probably due to this niggling injury, because I think he's had it since pre-season, uh, probably because of that we haven't seen the best of him I think he's only started eight games um, and so once he rediscovers that form then we can start to think about how he can positively affect the other players on the pitch Well certainly on to the rest of the team then Lee um, do we see Yedlin starting at right back? It's an interesting right. one I've just I've just put um, and I don't know if the article has gone live yet but it's Rafa I, I asked him specifically why, why is Yedlin suddenly out of the team and um, it basically yeah hinted that you know it was the t- the players that are starting are being rewarded um for doing well now that says to me that 
Mankey obviously was doing well in training and he was doing better than Yedlin in training and that's why Yedlin's suddenly been dropped. Um, but there's more than just Yedlin, isn't there? There's Dummett, there's Muto, um, there's obviously Shelby who we've spoken about, there's Diame who hasn't uh, been able to start, whether that's because of the contract, we don't know. Um, and there's you know there's been players who've end up in the stands rather than on the bench. So competition is really good at the moment for places. So as I say, it's it's always intriguing um, when that team sheet comes around at two o'clock on a Saturday because uh, you know that there's going to be you know something to talk about. This is Acast recommends. Every week we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. On to Everton then. They come to St James Park, not in the best of form, I think, They've, they've just I think they've lost five of the last ten so not brilliant I mean they drew against Liverpool which was obviously a big boost for them given it was their local derby uh, Jordan Pickford in goal always adds a bit of spice to this fixture as well given his sun links but they do come to St James Park with an excellent record at St James's Park I have the stats here because um, I'm not that good at remembering things but um the, they've won four of the last uh, five away Premier League games at Newcastle, losing just one, um, which is quite a record. Um, and Newcastle have won just well, yeah, won just one of the last twelve Premier League meetings with Everton across all fixtures, home and away. Um, can you name that game at St James's Park that they won? Mm, no, I can't. Lee, trying to think. The last time they won at St James Park, and Newcastle beat Everton St James oh, Park. Oh, last time Newcastle. Oh, last time. Sorry, yeah, Newcastle beat Everton St James Park. Last time the Everton won at Newcastle. No, yeah, other way around. Other way around. Last time Newcastle won. Let's have a think about it's this. Quite, it's, uh, when you when you'll realise what it is, it's quite a important uh, game. It's someone's last game. I got that wrong. Someone's last game. December 2014, 3-2. Oh, Steve, uh, Alan Pardew's oh, last, last game, game, yeah. yeah. And then he was off to Palace. And again, in Newcastle, they're all right that game. Obviously, they, they, they won. But, I mean, do you think stats like that play, play a role at all? I think they can be overplayed, but for some reason, Everton have been a bit of a bogey team for Newcastle. They're, most of the times they've gone to Goodson Park recently, they haven't played very well. They got a draw in December. We're okay that day. We weren't convinced in the air before. They were terrible. Um, so the return here at St James's Park last year was was one nil, wasn't it? Everton in an awful game. I think it was the only chance either team had. Mm. Sam Aldice, the team came and <laughs> it's they're a strange they're a strange team at the moment. Everton as well. I mean, I think the pressure's on on Marco Silva this weekend. As you say, they're not in great form. A lot was made about their performance in the Merseyside derby. I have to say, I thought they were very negative. I thought if it 
given the criticism some teams have got for playing like that this season, I thought there was far too much praise for Everton. They did very little in attack for most of the game. Um, so the, the the pressure is on them, but but as long as Newcastle approach the match as they have done the last few games of St James's, I think they've got a really good opportunity. Everton defensively are probably stronger than they are in attack. I don't think they've got that much pace on the break unless they do play with Carlison. So I think I, I I do quite fancy Newcastle to a degree this weekend. It just depends if they've managed to get last weekend out of their system. Last weekend was very much a frustration. They lost all the intensity they had the week before. If they rediscover what they showed against Burnley, particularly Huddersfield, I think they've got a very good chance. And the key probably is here is not to concede early. Did against West Ham and hit them quite hard. Um, they just looked out of sorts against West Ham. It was kind of like they'd ran out of steam a little bit. And I suppose, um, do you think a week is long enough to recover? I think a few things happened in that West Ham game. Um, Newcastle, I think, underestimated West Ham. They thought it was going to be the same level as, as Huddersfield and Burnley, and it was it was everything but. Um, West Ham are an excellent side. They've got some quality players, and the way they, they kind of swarm forward, and they're hard to deal with. And on the counter, they were very strong as well. And it, you know, could have been a heavier scoreline. Could have been something closer to what it was at Anfield on Boxing Day, but. Newcastle got to dust themselves down. Everton's another. It is a, you know, they've had some problems themselves lately, but you know the last two they've got a mini unbeaten run going. Held Liverpool, um, so it's going to be tough. They've got some some good players, but I still think Newcastle can scrape it. If the if Newcastle, they've got to go into games and they know that every game they've got to roll the sleeves up. They've got everyone's got to be on the same page. Uh, and they've got to be focused and concentrate on every little detail. And if they do that, then um, they've got a good chance of getting a, a narrow win. Chris, who's the danger man that Newcastle need to watch out for? I think it's probably Gilfie Sigurdsson. Um, he's had a mixed time since he's he's gone to Goodison Park, but he's he's got a good record against Newcastle. He usually plays well against them, and also just he's the one player you can pick a pass and really make Everton take. If Everton come play in a similar way that they did at Liverpool, where they're going to look to catch Newcastle on the break then Sigurdsson's the one who can deliver from set pieces or from open play to, to, to send someone through so for me he'd be the one I, I think Newcastle have to make sure they have a plan for whoever plays in that central midfield uh, make sure they get close to him and don't let him have time on the ball and of course Richarlison is another one to watch out for uh, 10 Premier League goals this season and they've been worth 11 points to Everton so I mean he's another danger man that Newcastle really need to keep quiet yeah, but I've, for some reason I'm I'm kind of I've got Jordan Pickford as as the key man in my head because you know if he has a he'll be fired up for this game no doubt about it um, but he'll he'll also be looking to to silence at James's Park and Newcastle gonna have to find a way past him. Um, but a few positive stats for Newcastle. I mean they've won the last four Premier League home games um, with an aggregate score of nine one. That's not been done. Um, but they've not won more consecutively at Jim's Park since a run of five between April and August 2006. So the home form is turning round. And I suppose if this fixture had come round the first two months of the start of the season, we would be sitting here fearing the game. But yeah, very much so. I mean, the first half of the season, uh, every week when Newcastle were playing at home, I was more nervous than they were playing away. No matter who they had on the road at that point, the system they were playing then, which was when they were more playing the four-two-three-one, uh, they looked more comfortable away from home. Since they've reverted, now they're playing this 
five at the back. It took them a while to transition towards it, but now it seems very much suited to or three at the back, five at the back, whatever you want to call it. Very much suited to playing at St James's Park with Cher and Lejeune, two ball playing centre backs, able to split and and pass forward. Newcastle looking better in that regard. Away from home, they've been caught out a little bit on a couple of occasions. They were at West Ham, but at St James's it's working, and hopefully if they can rediscover that sort of form, it just puts them on the front foot a little bit more. I think when they were playing the other system, because they've got centre backs who are looking to pass the ball forward, looking to press it, just allows everyone to move five yards further at the pitch and it just it, it, it's it's lifting St James's apart a little Almiron's impact as well psychologically has been big at St James's the fans have welcomed them you excited them against Huddersfield and hopefully they see glimpses early on again because really that that day I hadn't heard that excitement from St James's Park from fans in a long while I haven't had a player like that to really get behind and if he can do that again early on on Saturday then that could really push Newcastle into a good position well, certainly, and just on Almiron, he's creating three chances per 90 minutes on average for Newcastle and better than any other player. And he's only played, what, three games? Obviously, came on against Wolves. But Chris mentions a really interesting point there about the crowd, Lee. Mm. They've been brilliant all season, but especially yeah, against Huddersfield and Burnley, absolutely superb. Um, it's really been focused on the pitch. It's been positive. It's been happy for most parts of it. Um, and they just need the same again on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, you're always guaranteed a good atmosphere in St James's, but the three o'clock games are always better for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, just maybe everyone's a bit more relaxed with it being a Saturday and stuff like that. But hopefully that it can be and just another day where Newcastle take a step to safety. Uh, three points, I think. You could argue if they get three points and don't win again this season then they could possibly stay up with what they have. I hope that isn't the case. I want them to finish as strongly as possible. But uh, I, I just think that 34 points would just relax everybody a little bit. Um, it's, be, it's been a, quite a testing week, really, with the long staff injury uh, and obviously the loss to West Ham. So hopefully they can uh, turn things around. Fingers crossed. And just before I ask you both for your uh, score predictions, one more Quite interesting start. And I'll ask you, Chris, to have a go guessing this. If we do guess this, I'll be very surprised. Um, you don't get much chance to research this. No, I don't. No, well, I, just, I did this before I spot. came in, and uh, usually they're not that interesting. So they've won. So you didn't know before you came in. I didn't know this. Before. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to pretend to you. <laughs> uh, but usually, this is down to Opta, so thank you very much to Opta. Usually the stats aren't that interesting, but actually this has been quite a good batch of stats. Um, no Premier League fixture has seen more penalty goals than Newcastle versus Everton. How many? Is in in the Premier League era. Yeah, in the Premier League era. Eleven. Eleven for Chris. Go on, Lee. Fourteen. Eighteen. So uh, fourteen point two percent success rate. There you go, and well, there you have it. That's an interesting start to that's with you to the game on Saturday. Score predictions, and Chris. I went. I've been quite positive in terms of what I've said. But there's just a part of me that thinks that because Everton of the record, I'm going to go 1-1. I think Newcastle are capable of winning. I hope they, they can. But just what's happened over the last week, I'm going to go 1-1. I don't think it'd be a disastrous result. It'd be nice if they could win, given the fact they've got a run of away games coming up. But 1-1, I'm going to go for. And Lee? I'm going for 1-0, which was the scoreline in the first ever Premier League game between these two sides a long time ago. Um, but I just think it's going to be that type of game where going to be scrappy it's going to be a bit abject in places and I think it'll be 1-0 and Newcastle hang on to that fingers crossed well you can head over to chroniclelive.co.uk where we'll bring you Rafa Benitez's press conference 
um, on Friday and live match coverage on Saturday. Please remember to like and subscribe to our podcast. You can also leave comments and reviews on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you listen from. This podcast has been brought to you in association with eToro. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.